culture now, and this isn't just like the culture at large, this is like the culture of our world, including the church. Nobody wants to be told that everything that they think isn't flawless. We live in a day and age where everyone's like, well, if you don't affirm how I see myself, then you hate me. But that's as alive in the church as it is outside the church. And I'm here to tell you, what God wants to do is He wants to conform us and transform us to be like Jesus. Ever since Cain talked back to God because Cain thought God's requirements for sacrifices were too strict, mankind has fought against God's plans for their lives. You can see it everywhere today. People rebelling against God's clear rules, even among those who claim to be disciples of Jesus. The thrust of Pastor Daniel's teaching today using Psalm 19 is that we must allow God's word to change us if we want to be true followers of him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Psalms chapter 19 as he continues his message, Always Learning. We realize that on the second day of creation, he created the firmament or the skies, by the time you get to the fourth day of creation, he creates the sun and the moon. And all of these are references right here in the first six verses of Psalm 19. That God has revealed himself to us in a general way in all that he's created. I love this. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Now, this is fascinating Because, you know, the Psalms are songs, and so there's a lot of poetry in there. Really what he's saying is that God reveals himself to us in creation with a wordless speech. You hear what I just said there? That's a deep thought. You have to think about that. That creation, it's a wordless speech. And what's amazing is the Apostle Paul picks up on this and explains this to us in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. As the Apostle Paul speaks about the ills of a society where God is not honored, and Romans chapter 1 has a lot to speak to us today about the circumstances in which we're living. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness to men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because, listen to this, What may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Paul is saying, and this he's talking about, 2,000 years ago, it means as much today, even though people suppress the truth of God and unrighteousness, us going our own ways in the world, he says that all people are without excuse because who God is is on display in the things that he has made. So all it takes is for us to go out and see what God has made and we become very aware of God's eternal power, God's attributes, because we see it in all that he has created. And we are part of that creation. 
When you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you have a manifest revelation of God by your ability to see that you are even there. So for each one of us, we have to realize that creation is designed to teach us who God is, to show us who he is. Now, I think it's important we have to make the case, especially in our day and age, that creation is not God. Look at the person next to you say, creation is not God. Because there are people who are like, man, I am a tree-hugging dirt worshiper. You ever see that bumper sticker? I know some of you got that on your cars here. You pagans. <laughs> now listen, don't get me wrong. Hug a tree. I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, we need more hugs and less war. Can I get an amen? Yeah. We need more wag and less bark, people. Okay? Like, so hug a tree, great. But don't worship a tree. Okay? Enjoy it for what it is, but don't worship it. The other thing is, people say this all the time. And they're like, listen, being in nature is my church. Now I'm here to tell you, Church is a called out group of people. So don't let nature be your church, people. You need church to be your church. Humans are supposed to be church. Now you can say, I experience the presence of God as I enjoy nature. That's exactly what Psalm 19 says. That's exactly what Genesis chapter 1 says. We should be in awe of God when we are in nature but don't call it your church because church is people. Church is people you can serve, who can serve you, who you can share your life with. So we have to make sure we make some of these distinctions because if we begin to worship creation, if you read more of Romans chapter one, he tells us that one of the mistakes we make when we suppress the truth and the righteousness, we worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. So what happens is when we won't embrace this God who created everything and sustains everything, then we'll start making exchanges where we'll say, oh, my focus is on the creature that's been created rather than the creator. And that exchange, then the entire tone and course of our lives start having issues. And many of us know what that's like. We've done that. So we have to remember here that creation has much to teach us. Now, what's beautiful is by the time you get into the middle of verse four, verse five, and verse six, David, in writing this psalm, really he chooses one picture to really point to how God reveals himself in creation, and that is the sun. Look at what it says, middle of verse four. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit is to the other end and there is nothing hidden from its heat. I love that. Now you have to realize that the sun is such a powerful example because it's constant. You see the sun every day and even on a cloudy day, even though we can't see the sun, you know it's there, right? Sometimes when we're in that kind of that Mordor season, if I go on an airplane, you go up above the cloud cover, you're like, oh, it's still here, right? But every morning when the sun comes up, David's like, the sun is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Very vivid picture. It's like the guy got married and he was able to consummate his marriage with his bride. And the next morning he comes out, he's like, yeah. (laughs) Hey, I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what it says. That the sun comes out in the morning and it's like, yes, I'm here. 
All right. Or if you don't like that picture, like, I don't like that picture, Pastor Daniel. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with the Holy Spirit. I didn't write it. But then there's also the picture of the champion, right? It's like when Michael Phelps, to use a current example, remember the most decorated swimmer, Olympian in history, when Michael Phelps made his way up onto the starting stocks for swimming, I don't even think they call it stocks. I just hope I don't drown when I swim. But when he shows up, everyone's like, oh man, there he is, Michael Phelps. Somebody who's just so good at it. He's like a champion ready for his race. The favorite who shows up, like, let's do this. And the son is like that. And the key for us is to realize that we need to make sure that we are seeing who God is in creation. Now, can I just say this? And we're going to talk about this more. I mentioned this idea of distractions. Up until this generation here, people would appreciate nature. Now there's beautiful things and we are all like this. There's a sunset we're like. And what's amazing is, is let's just be honest about it. All the research that's coming out, we don't, see anything anymore. Did you ever see that meme on the internet? I love that one where it's like everyone's at a concert and there's all these people with their phones up and there's like one older person just standing there and it's like, who's the psycho? It's like, because we live in a day and age where rather than experiencing life, we want to take a picture or a video of life and we miss out on the experience of it. My friends, we all need to divorce our devices. I'm not saying don't use it. I'm not saying we should become tin hat people, please. There's enough of that in the body of Christ. Can we just say we are anti-tin hat Christians here? You shouldn't be a Christian and be the kind of person who's like, man, cars are bad and everything's bad and life is bad and so let's not do anything. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, is that the phone is a good tool when it is used within reason. Why? Because... The phone can get us places. You can do your banking on it. I mean, how many of you are happy that you haven't written a check in like 38 years? Some of you are like, wait, you don't write checks? How do you pay for things? That's how this goes. A lot of the things are great. I don't know how I made it anywhere without a GPS on my phone. I drove across the country. I had like these maps everywhere. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to read a map, you know? I remember I'd go into, how many of you guys used to go into AAA to find out how to get somewhere? And they'd have like the markers. They'd be like, here you go, here, here. Just don't get off there. I didn't know how I did that. Now you just put it in your GPS and you end up somewhere. So all those things are fine. But the problem is, is because of the high level of fake dopamine you get from it, cheap dopamine, that we are staring at our phones rather than talking to our kids. And our kids are staring at their phones rather than talking to their parents. And I'm not knocking the kids because this is our fault. Like, we did this to them. We gave them devices. How many times, you know, all of a sudden something's going on. You're like, oh, hold on a second. You're like reading an article that's going to be there in 500 years still. But you're missing the moments. How often do we go and we want to go appreciate something? And rather than appreciate it, we pull out our phone to take a video of it. And instead of actually appreciating what it is, we are just making sure we get the right shot. And instead of enjoying what we're seeing, we're just busy catching something. And that distraction is a big problem for all of us. And I think that we need to learn how to really appreciate it all again. We have to relearn it. Because we've lost the art of just being present, learning the most beautiful things that God wants to teach us. I don't want you to miss the sunrise. 
I don't want you to miss the sunset. I don't want you to miss the stars. Every time you see Mount Hood when you're driving over the bridge, the I-5 or 205 bridge, I want you to be in awe of that thing. Why? Because everything in creation, if you were to look at God's word, teaches us about who he is. And what's amazing is, is that is the second type of revelation. What we learn from verses 7 to 11 here in Psalm 19 is that God's word works uniquely. God has given us not only his general revelation and all these created, but he's given us a specific revelation in his word. Listen to what it says, verse 7, Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. So we move from God's general revelation. Creation has much to teach us, and then we move to God's specific revelation, which is his word. And what we find here is there are six declarations here about God's word. And what's amazing is there are six different nouns or synonyms about what the word is. Notice what it says, the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and the judgment of the Lord. So there's all these different synonyms for the word of God. And each one of them has different adjectives about what it is. The law of the Lord, it's perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The statutes of the Lord is right. The commandments of the Lord is pure. The fear of the Lord is clean. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. God's word is all of these things. And in all of these qualities, God's word has tremendous benefits for us as people. And again, each one has some different benefits. God's word converts the soul, restores or revives and converts the soul. God's word makes simple people wise. God's word brings rejoicing to our hearts. God's word enlightens our eyes. God's word endures forever. And of course, God's word is righteous altogether. And it reminds us of how we want to base our lives in and around the word of God. The apostle Paul said it this way, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I love this because it's such a good reminder to us that we need to keep ourselves 
in God's word. Jesus, quoting the book of Deuteronomy, said, a person shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God's word is our spiritual food. The key for us is to allow God's word to be the authority in our lives. For many of us, we just want God's word to proof text the things that we already want. We're not allowing it to be something that reproves us or instructs us or convicts us. We just want what we want. And one of the things that I have found, I always tell people this, is that if you find a God that believes everything you believe, that loves everything you love, and hates everything that you hate, you have not found God. You have found an echo of yourself. And that's why so often people struggle with who God is because God is not trying to make us feel comfortable in our biases. God is perpetually challenging. God is always saying, I know you feel that way, but maybe you shouldn't because I feel this way. And in a lot of ways, we live in a culture now, and this isn't just like the culture at large. This is like the culture of our world, including the church. Nobody wants to be told that everything that they think isn't flawless. We live in a day and age where everyone's like, well, if you don't affirm how I see myself, then you hate me. But that's as alive in the church as it is outside the church. And I'm here to tell you, what God wants to do is he wants to conform us and transform us to be like Jesus. Anybody here saying, hey, I'm totally like Jesus right now? Anybody want to take that one? Exactly. I'm sure someone's like, "Ah, that's me, totally. I'm not totally like Jesus. But here's the deal. We're all in the process of growing. How many times do you hear at Crossroads, we're all in process? Because that's just a universal truth about life. And God's word helps us in the process. Here's what I want to tell you. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God's ways are higher than our ways. So when God does something in his word that we don't understand, we shouldn't say, I can't believe God would do that. We should say, God, I do not understand how your ways are higher than my ways. What God thinks is more important than what we think. We're entitled to think our thoughts, but never for one second should we think that our thoughts are on the level of God's thoughts. We are all entitled to our feelings, but I'm here to tell you God's word is greater and more important than our feelings. God's word should teach us which of our feelings are righteous and unrighteous. Sometimes we feel things strongly and our strong feelings line us up with God's word and that's a good thing. And sometimes We have strong feelings, and we're just flat out off of our rockers. And our job is to subordinate how we feel to the word of God. Oftentimes I say, Lord, you know that makes me very upset. But your word says, Lord, will you change the way that I feel? But what we have now, because we're living in a day and age where our culture says your feelings are your own personal God, when our feelings run against God's word, we say God's word is bad. And really what we've done is we've placed the sovereign self or the illusion of the individual apart from everything as the de facto center in the solar system. And I'm here to tell you, I've always said it, when People who think that they're the center of the solar system realize that nothing revolves around them. It can be quite disconcerting. 
because it was never meant to revolve around us. So God's ways are higher than ours. And of course, the writer to the Hebrews says this, Hebrews chapter four, verses 12 to 13, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrows, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. This is why as a church, we have a Bible reading plan every year. You can jump in right now. It's on our app. It's on our website. Every year we roll a new Bible reading plan. Why? Because God has revealed himself specifically to us in his word. We know that the Savior's name is Jesus, not because we see it in creation, but because we are told that in God's word. We can see the need for salvation in creation, but we know our Savior is Jesus because of the word of God. We know that we are forgiven in Christ because of the word of God. In creation, we realize we need forgiveness. We see that things are broken, but we know how forgiveness is given through the word of God. We know from creation we should not be alone that we shouldn't forsake the assembling ourselves together because there is safety in numbers in creation, isn't there? But we know that the fellowship God created us for is the people of God, the church, because of what the word says. So as I like to say, part cheeky, part just being me, sometimes we just need to get off Facebook and get our face in the book. It's pretty good, right? The key for us is to do that. And what's beautiful in Psalm 19, David tells us that the word of God, it's more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold. It's sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. That's verse 10. And verse 11, moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them is great reward. Now, what I love is saying that God's word should be desired more than the most valuable thing in this culture, which is gold. And God's word is sweeter to the soul than the sweetest thing that they had, which was honey. This was long before the day of high fructose corn syrup and partially hydrogenated soybean oil. That's all, that's, that's all killing us. Sucralose, killing us. All of it's killing us. Back in the day, their only sweetener was honey. That's what they had. And David's like, God's word is, I should desire it more than the most valuable thing. It's sweeter to my soul than the sweetest thing. Oh, and moreover by it, I'm warned, I'm taught, I'm reproved and corrected, I'm learning. Brothers and sisters, I want the Crossroads family to continue to be people who value God's word above everything else. Did you know about all these characteristics of God's Word? It's a lot to try to digest. As Pastor Daniel laid out these various functions of God's Word, it was easy to start to see the importance of reading and studying the Scriptures. You were reminded, too, that reading the Bible is more than just an intellectual exercise. As you read and study and act on what you read, you begin to take on the character of God as well. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. 
We would love to connect with you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, connect with us online at live.crossroadschurch.net or find us on Facebook at Go, the number two, and Crossroads. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel goes to the next teaching titled, We Must. You'll be talking about getting priorities straight in our lives, especially when it comes to spending quality time with God and letting God mature us. Pastor Daniel will be warning us to figure out and then focus on the things that are most important and how to avoid chasing the shiny objects when they are distractions to our spiritual growth. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called On Demand. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.